Is this cake? It is. Wow. They're going to be in Lincoln. Yeah. Oh, we talked about that. Cake doing a little picking right there, too. Yeah. There's a there's a, a cake song that you don't hear every day. Okay. That's a good pull there. Thank I, you. Uh, Steve Sipple joining us from On3. Only the best for Sip. 93.7 The Ticket. Uh, Sip, are you a cake fan? No, I mean, I'm not, I'm not anti in any way. I'm just okay. not overly familiar with <laughs> Well, they're, they're going to be in Lincoln, so I didn't know if you had already gotten your ticket. <laughs> when are they going to be in Lincoln, and where are they playing? Uh, they are PBA. I know that. They are PBA? Yeah, it, it's PBA, and I, I want to say wow. it's in June or July. It's in the summer, I'm pretty sure. Okay. I'll, I mean, I like that. I mean, I didn't hear much of the song, but I heard enough of it to pique my interest. <laughs> Well, and I'm sure you know the the cult classic from Cake of Going the Distance. It's like, I well, do, and I don't like that song. Oh. I, I don't like the band, but no, that song is repulsive. <laughs> oh, that's repulsive. So, uh, with that endorsement, wow. May 13th at Pinewood Bowl. Oh, oh, it's oh. May 13th at Pinewood Bowl. Okay, for some reason I thought they're PBA. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I'm, uh, sometimes a band has a bad song. Um, it <laughs> yeah. doesn't define them, so I'm not out on them. Well, good on you. Yeah, they they can't all be winners, and I'm glad that you don't hold that against them to the point that you would never see them or celebrate their entire catalog. That's good. No, I would. <laughs> no, I would consider their entire catalog before I made any made any real judgment on it. Hey, th- this is a this is a good jumping off part from uh, jumping off point from what we heard yesterday from Matt Rule <laughs> when it comes to. Play calling. I know that was a big takeaway from from yesterday. Of you know, will Glenn Thomas be doing some play calling? Is this Marcus Satterfield? And it was it was very definitive by the head coach yesterday. But when it comes to the overall play calling sip from last year, where would you put that on the list of things that impacted this Nebraska offense? Mid. I mean, not not. I mean, this the, the issue was turnovers. And then mm-hmm. if you want to go to a subset, uh, the issue is quarterback turnovers. Yep. Now, I never I, – I, I, I mean, when I go back in my mind's eye and assess the season, I don't – there's instances where you, where you would nitpick play calling, of course, but you would do that with any team in, at any level. Mm-hmm. There's always plays you can pick out and say terrible call. Of course there is. I mean, that, that's, that's the nature of football. But by and large, and assessing the totality of Satterfield's play calling, I didn't, I didn't come away from games saying that was a really poorly called game. I did that a few. I've done that a few times. I think Frost, when they played Illinois during the COVID season, that would be an example of a. Yeah. Well, yeah, Illinois, but I guess more profoundly Minnesota during the COVID <sighs> season. There were instances where you'd come out of games going, "What was he doing?" Mm-hmm. You know, what, what, like big picture questions. Yeah. Why, you know. And I didn't do that this year with Satterfield. Were you encouraged, surprised, or pretty much what you expected when hearing about what Glenn Thomas's overall role will be when it comes to being, again, the title of co-OC? Well, I think you said a great word, Nick. And it, rule is very definitive. I just wanted clarity. And, I, I, I mean, I don't – it's not that I want clarity so much, but, you know, we're working for – the fan base basically mm-hmm. is what, why we're sitting in that room. And I heard from a lot of people and colleagues that wondered exactly what's the, what's the structure going to look like. And, and especially as it relates to play calling. Yeah. And man, I'll tell you what, 
I, I hope we never take this for granted about Rule. He's very definitive, as you say. The, the, the clarity with which he answered that particular part of the discussion, but also, you know, as he expanded, you got a very good idea of how it works on the offensive side of the ball, right? Mm-hmm. You know who's standing in front of the room. It's Satterfield. You know, we know this, and we didn't know it. I don't know that we could say we knew it before yesterday for sure, but we know it, it's Satterfield's offense. It's not Glenn Thomas's offense. Um, it's not anybody else's offense but um, Satterfield. We know that Donovan Rayola is largely in charge of the run game, doesn't have a run game coordinator, according to rule. I mean, I'm just paraphrasing that. But he's effectively the run game coordinator, Donovan Rayola. Yeah. We know that that Glenn Thomas and Garrett McGuire are, are involved in design. I mean, they're, they're, they're involved in that. We know that Matt Rule chips in. He just chips in. You know, he, if there's something he sees, um, as, as a lot of head coaches that don't call plays or aren't in charge of one side of the ball will do, he'll, he'll pipe in when necessary. And, I mean, I, just, I can't tell you how much I appreciate a head coach standing in, at a podium in front of his fan base, effectively, mm-hmm. and laying out exactly the way it works. Because we, I, and I'm not going to call anybody out here, but we've had coaches that don't do that. Yeah, that just didn't just didn't do it. We always kind of had to wonder a little bit, and then when you wonder, um, you tend to, I don't know, take some leaps in your assessments, um, and you don't even necessarily you're not even really asking the right questions of the right people. But now, you know, if there's a question about the run game. Donovan's a good guy to ask, right? Mm-hmm. And, and if there's a question about the quarterbacks, it's Glenn Tom. So that's I, I really appreciate that. You're right from the standpoint of I think what I took away from yesterday is he could have said, you know, in answering anything about who's going to be calling the plays, he could have just said Satterfield's going to call the plays. But then to, as you mentioned, to to give you a little bit more context of it, to yeah. – start to define more of the roles because you mentioned Donovan Riola. I think we all kind of assumed he would maybe at some point be elevated to run game coordinator on top of offensive line coach, but he basically said he is without the title. So you kind of get an idea of how that whole thing is going to work. And then obviously Donovan Riola wasn't a part of this before with a lot of these guys together, you know, either at Temple or Baylor, but then you can also draw some comparisons to what they did, what this, this group, for the most part, offensively did at two different spots when it comes to developing the most important important position right now, which is another thing I kind of took away from is, all right, now you you clearly know why Glenn Thomas is here and what he's going to be tasked with doing, which, I mean, Sip, we started this conversation talking about the thing that probably plagued this offense the most was the quarterback position and the turnovers. And so this is another example of, trying to solve that problem the best way they know how to, but in a familiar way as well. Absolutely. I, I mean, there was a – just to add some context, there was an interview with Heinrich Harburg on a Carney radio station a few weeks ago or several weeks ago, mm-hmm. and Heinrich just slipped into conversation something that pertains to this, and that is he said with, with an offensive coordinator like Satterfield also coaching the quarterbacks, that all of the quarterbacks understood the offense very well. They understood 
what what was expected of them in a big picture way and then and in a micro way on a get you know game to game basis. But mm-hmm. he said there wasn't a lot of technique mechanical type work. Um, whereas with Mario Vardusco, a dedicated quarterbacks coach, there was a lot. I mean, that's what Mario specialized in. Yeah. So he didn't say that the quarter. He didn't say he didn't say any kind of plain terms that the quarterback room suffered from the lack of mechanical work. But it's not that difficult to make that jump. Mm-hmm. Um, within every play, there are mechanics that go along with it at the quarterback position, and if those suffer you might have some problems. So I'm not, and I don't want to do this thing where I, where, you know, the quarterbacks for Nebraska combined for 25 turnovers. That's a ton, right? Yeah. Like 25 is a big number. I don't want to just say that's all, that's all on Satterfield because that's, that would be oversimplification. But I think that just by virtue of rule, making a change like this tells you that he saw something that wasn't quite right. Talking to Steve Sipple here on 1620 The Zone. Uh, Sip, any other any other things from just Rule's conversation yesterday? Because I do want to get into recruiting and some thoughts on basketball as well. But as far as what Rule had to say, because there was a lot. I mean, he spoke for over 30 minutes. He talked about some of the offseason early developments. I, I thought what he had to say about Jamal Banks was interesting. And a lot of that was off the field, though, as far as how much of a, of a leader he's kind of been and some of the, the, the points and competitiveness he's been during what they're doing. But, I, I mean, he just... He seemed like typical Matt Rule. It seemed like kind of a, a recharge Matt Rule, but also seemed, I don't know, maybe just sort of without actually coming out and saying it, I, I just there seemed to be a sense of pride with what they were able to accomplish with this recruiting class, especially in the 11th hour with getting two you know, additional signees. Yeah, I think so. Um, it's been hard work. He, I mean, he, he made that clear. Mm-hmm. Off-seasons are, are really difficult for a college coaching staff. I was really struck by the comments about banks. Mm-hmm. And when I, I kind of couple his public comments about Jamal Banks with what I've heard just behind the scenes, the bank picture right off the bat is a really good one. You, you couple what, what Rule said, which, you know, they, they, they assign point totals to various elements of winter conditioning. It's not really on-field stuff. It's right. workout what they do away from the building and, and such. But he's far and away the leader, Jamal Banks. It's a name we've got to keep, keep driving into people because he's already making a huge impression. I'll tell you one thing. You don't have to worry about Jamal Banks. He's showing up for every throwing session. Yep. I mean, he'll be there probably first. He's, he's already forming a rapport with, with Dylan and the other quarterbacks. It's, it's a, now that, that's, that's a great, great picture if you're a Nebraska fan because mm-hmm. that's that's a six foot four 210 pound proven ACC receiver so 60 plus catches in two separate seasons so yeah I mean I, I I'm really taken by it. I would also say Isaiah Nayor is another guy you don't have to worry about these those guys are veteran guys and I think with veterans sometimes they recognize urgency and the daily urgency mm-hmm more than young guys do. And now I would say this too, though, it's not where it's not where now Matt, you know, he's, I think he's doing a great job, but I don't think the urgency throughout the program is where it needs to be. I, I don't Now He might dispute that. I, I just hear different things. I still think there's work to be done there, but I think that, that I do think they're making progress. 
But I mean, it's and I and I like a lot just about everything I heard yesterday. I like the way they're going about it, and um, so yeah. I mean, I and I do think they did a good job recruiting. You made me think of one guy, and and I want to be careful in in assuming anything. But I, th- again, this is where I can appreciate Matt Rule speaking very positively about someone who is doing things the way that they want him to do it, but also maybe holding a player or two accountable. There was obviously, it seemed like a tinge of disappointment with Micah Mazuka. I, 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 I caught a little bit of just oh, yeah. how he, he was holding, again, trying to hold people accountable. And I think he just, to me, it, there's, a, there's a previous relationship there, and I think Matt Rule just expects more. That's kind of what I took from that. Oh, you're, no, you took the exact right thing. He was very, he was very clear about it. It mm-hmm. was striking, actually. On the other end of the spectrum from Jamal Banks is Mazuka. Yeah. And he just, he, according to rule, and again, I'll paraphrase, said that Mazuka has to adapt to the way Nebraska does things. Mm-hmm. There is, there's a certain way that Nebraska does things. There's a certain expectation of effort and commitment, and that Mazuka has to make some improvement there in those areas. That's fine. And it's okay, I think, to use the media to send that message sometimes. These aren't, and especially in the case of Mazuka, these are professionals basically now that we're talking about. Everybody's getting paid. All 85 are getting paid. All of them. Um, Mazuka's getting paid. He's probably 22, if not 23 years old. Why, why is he, why would he be immune to public criticism? It's, he's a grown man at this point. So, um, it's interesting when Rule does that because we're not, we haven't seen a lot of that at Nebraska. But times have changed. They have. These yeah. guys are now making money. And there are more guys in that 22, 23, 24 year old um, area that, why can't they be criticized? You know, they're not, they don't really fall under the category of kids, you mm-hmm. know? So, um, no, he made it very clear. And it's fine. I mean, Mizuka's got plenty of time to get himself rounded into form before spring ball. Sip, I know from talking to you, you know, in the past, when it comes to recruiting, you're more of a wait and see kind of guy. Yeah. yeah. Is anything about this recruiting class paired with what we already saw in a smaller sample size with some early development with those freshmen a year ago and this coaching staff's reputation that made this recruiting class feel different as far as expectations? Yeah, Dylan Rayola makes it feel different. Sure. Uh, that, that, and I think some of the higher, a couple of the higher end guys do that. Carter Nelson does that for me. Um, that I, They did a good Grant Brick. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I appreciate that they went out and got, you know, top rated players in individual states, you know, Carter and, and, um, Bricks, and I, I don't know. I think yeah, yeah. Dylan was definitely number one in Georgia by a few services. Yeah. So that I I think they're doing a really good job up front on both sides, and I, I do think it helped the late addition of Will Height in that conversation. Right. You know, Will Height. They didn't really have and or and Ochoa to a certain extent too. They didn't really have an edge in the class, but I just like I guess just to wrap it up, I'm, I'm most appreciative of two things. The line, the, the line recruiting on both sides mm-hmm. 
not that they were loaded up in this class with interior guys. They weren't. But the previous class, they were. So they didn't, it wasn't as big of a, a need. Then you, then you added Keona Wilhite late. So that was good. Offensive line recruiting, I'd say, has been excellent. Um, and then also just the overall size. I thought, you know, they're going after bigger receivers. Uh, you know, they added a big back. I'm not saying that that's if, – if, if Nebraska were still in the Big 12, I wouldn't say that. Yeah. They're not in the Big 12. They're in the Big 10. It's a bigger – usually the games. I mean, it's a bigger league. The, the, the field really shrinks up in the Big 10, if you've noticed, yeah. because there's so much size. And I adding six, four receivers and um, even a big quarterback and, and keeping that line – with hulking dudes that's what that's what you need in this league Sip, before i let you go uh your your impressions of last night's nebraska basketball loss to northwestern is it something that you were indifferent on is it something that concerns you or are you more of hey they're just kind of playing to what we know they are they're good on the good end of the home floor but they're they're just not good on the road that's it that's right there it's, it's confounding in a way um mm-hmm. A lot about this team impresses me. I want to make I want to make that clear, but I regarded last night as a horrific waste of time. <laughs> it was just a, I would it agree. Was. perfectly. Yeah, it, I mean they never really they weren't a big threat to ever win the game. They were kind of a threat to hang around, and basically all they did for me is make me stay up later than I wanted to because yep. they kind of in there, you know. Eh, see, I'm not um, the only one. Right? No, no, you're not. <laughs> I, the thing is, they they you know they pull you in. They really oh, yeah. pull me in against Wisconsin and Illinois, and I just thought, okay, this they got something. But you know, then last night, Mass, you know, Rink was just two for eight, and Kase was just three for seven. Mm-hmm. And they just didn't, you know, they just didn't equip themselves very well in any area, really. So. And, then, you know, here's the bottom line, and this is the thing that you have to – if you go overboard like me and thinking that, oh, man, this is a team that's going to make an NCAA tournament run, um, you have to continually remind yourselves that they've been out-rebounded in 10 of the last 11 games, mm-hmm. and they don't know what to do with point guard. So anything – now, they'll come back. Here's the thing. Mich- you know, Michigan's coming to town, and it's sold out. And they will yep. probably look like a top ten team against Michigan. So again, we'll get sucked in, and I it's just it's kind of fun in a way, but it's kind of weird in a way. Oh yeah, weird is a good way to put it. Steve Sipple with on three and ninety three seven the ticket. Sip, always appreciate you joining us, my man. Have a great rest of the week. All right, thanks, guys. Yeah, the especially for us and sip is sip is like us sip is one of us he has to get up early he has to do a little radio as well so when you start to see games yeah, played like, like I that stayed up for this yeah i mean he's right like even at halftime and he's right about the sucking you in thing because if parcells you, always said it you've been sucked it well need context there when you know well, he meant that you get sucked in when you goes, watch yeah, you what they did against illinois where even with the loss there was there was a, a good energy level there were things that you could sort of draw from and say, okay, this looks a little bit different on the road, even with the loss. And then knowing that just a week ago, they were able to overcome a 19 point deficit, albeit at home. So you felt like, well, if I turn it off, I might miss out on another great comeback. Cause we heard from a, a couple of uh, folks, uh, Nebraska ball, Mike, 
said that he had turned it off after Wisconsin was up by uh, 19 or 16 at one point. I think they were up 16 at the half. Um, that they turned it off. So people didn't want to miss that in case it were to happen. So that's where they kind of had us. But yeah, you. I mean, honestly, you could have turned that thing off in the first five minutes. Yeah. That timeout I told you about. Like, because yeah, it never got any better. Here. We're done. Yeah. It, it never got any Good better. Night, everybody. You could just see the, the different shot selection of boo-booey of shots that were going. And then the other thing, this is where we know Casey gets under a lot of people's skin with every three-pointer that was made last night from Northwestern. They were mimicking how Casey, when he hit the dagger three against Northwestern at home and had sort of the, the, the hands against the face reaction. Oh. You saw Boo Booey doing it's that true. for the countless three-pointers that he was making last night. Um, but you also saw, hell, I think I saw Barnheiser do it on his made three-pointer. Ty Berry, so I think, did it as well. Yeah, Casey, uh, Casey, yeah, he gets under people's skin sometimes just because, especially at home, like he plays to the crowd. If he's hitting big shots, there's a lot of animation with that. And I know fans love it. Your teammates, to an extent, probably love it. Your opponent does not. But your opponent, especially when they have an opportunity to serve it back to you, they will. Northwestern did last night. It just wasn't a good look. Everything about last night was just not a good look. And the the reality is, Nebraska is what they are. I just want to know if this, is, if this is a team. Well, but it, 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 is, it is, in a way, in a sense that, are they better than what they showed last night? Yeah, I, I, I have that. That's not even. I, I don't even think that that is trying to be rosy red colored glasses for Nebraska. I've seen this team even in losses, even in lot like in the Maryland game, that didn't look great. It wasn't a, a question of energy or overall effort, like to where last night. I questioned their energy. Last night, I questioned their their overall give-a-blank because of the carelessness with the turnovers. Now, you and I both know, we've been around enough Division One athletes that they didn't show up and just say, ah, eh, we don't care. Yeah, we know they good. cared. We know they wanted, Some they wanted the best result. Some gear that's just not exactly. that's, that's a great way to put it, Jimmy. It's not that you're, you're, you're not trying. It's just... But that's how it looks. It's just nothing there. Yeah, like, that's man, the why takeaway. can't you make shots, dude? I'm trying. Yeah, there's and a big just, difference of you're not trying to. You look like you're not trying. And so Saturday, it's not like they organized an all night drinking party. Well, hopefully not. Hopefully they weren't at the local gentleman's establishment and said, "Who do we play tonight?" Northwestern, who I believe that was also a Cats. Yes. Purple. That team that yeah they're purple and they look a lot like K State. By the way, Nebraska is now officially they had their first loss against Purple Cats this season. Damn. Now two and one. Uh, maybe they'll get an opportunity in the Big Ten tournament. But yeah, it was just it no, wasn't I don't a good see look. Again, I really don't I'm good. No, you know what? I, you know what? I'm fine with it. Again, I mean, I'll watch him Northwestern for a a solidly in the NCAA tournament field team. Eh, Boo Boo is great. <laughs> But I watch them like, how are they so good? They don't look at, there's nothing about them that's like overwhelming. I like that endorsement. Eh. Chris Collins is a good coach. Boo Booey's a great player. I, I'm, Brooks Barnheiser's grown on me. But am I worried about Morgan Wallen's lookalike? Nick Martinelli, who has a jump shot at the free throw line? Ty Berry's a good player. I, I do like Ty Berry. But yeah, like, there's just nothing about him. You're like, oh, God. But here they are. I don't know. 
All right, we'll get into the 9 o'clock hour. We will take a look at uh, some of the better prop bets, according to Brian Edwards, before we get out of here. More from Creighton's game. And we'll get a little Super Bowl uh, conversation, too, to chop some of that up. We're only days away from that. Of course, your phone calls and your thoughts always welcome as well. As we continue, it's Mornings with Sharp and Alien. Jimmy, 1620 The Zone.